our show that we do weekly. We do have a time here. It's a thing that we do sometimes. And it it is. It is that mm. exactly. Yes. So. That is correct. So welcome wherever you are in the world, whenever you are in um, the world. And please just know that you are joined by a sleeping cat mm-hmm. named Sage. Yes, that is correct. He needs to take part in every episode. So dramatic. Um, so if we don't put his bed on the table beside us, mm-hmm. he will just lay on our laptops. Yes. So we designate a spot for him to stay mm-hmm. where he can also contribute to the episode. Yes. And him contributing by sleeping is mm-hmm. honestly a godsend. That's the best way he could contribute. It's just so, so wonderful. Yeah. 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 That's great. So this is us. We hope you're doing great. Mm-hmm. Hope your day and ho- hope your day and spooky. That's correct. Every day and spooky. Wow. Okay. Are you having a spooky day? You know what? I would say yes because it's gray outside mm-hmm. and the wind is hecka strong. Yeah, it's not as bad as it was a couple days back, no. but it was it's it's pretty wicked still. Yeah, I thought I was gonna get blown away yesterday. It was ridiculous. Yeah. How about you? Are you having a spooky day? I would say that the rice pudding that we bought mm. from El Poblano yes. is pretty spooky. I would I would it's, agree. It's spooky good. Yes. Like it has no right. No. But it's very spooky good. Can you tab that and maybe that could be your recommendation? Hmm. Or you could recommend something else from there too. Just be like also the rice pudding again (laughs) i might have to do that (laughs) it's just something special yeah like it shouldn't work Mm -hmm. it's just oh i actually don't know what rice pudding truly is Mm -hmm. but it's rice and cinnamon and milk i'm assuming but whatever it is it's the biggest flavors probably yeah holy moly yeah it is a perfect perfect dessert Mm -hmm. and they sure do do it well nice i also just said doo-doo so that was pretty nice they do do it well. They do do. Do do. All right, you're first this week. You ready to jump into it? Yeah, I'm just gonna make everybody sad. So like, strap on your boot straps mm-hmm. and buckle in your bras because make sure you strap on. Yes, strap on that strap on, and let's get to sucking out your happiness. Let's go. Let's do it. So as I mentioned, and as I'm very good at, um, today I'm just going to be sucking the happiness out of your life. So I guess it's good that I'm going first, maybe. So if you just want to, you can just, you know, if you have that little skip 15 second Mm, button, just do that. Um, But I'm going to do my best to make this an interesting story. And Mm -hmm. I did actually cut out some of the really horrendous bits. Interesting. Because it started to make me sad. And I feel like if the reader yeah. is sad, then everyone's going to be sad. Fair enough. So I'm going to do my best to just tell the story in mm-hmm. the way that it is. But mm-hmm. also, I want to be able to take digs at her as much as possible. Her? Because she's a rat bastard, Charlie Brown. <laughs> she sure okay. is. Great. Let's go. So... um. Just some content warning. Mm-hmm. This is a, a heck of a story. Great. And I think in general, I'm sorry. 
So oh, that, that okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say something real quick. Well, actually, before I say that, so I got my information from Wikipedia, from um, a book called Man Eater, and from Murderpedia, which is a delightful place. Yeah. So, all right. So on February 29th, 2000, John Price took out a restraining order against his girlfriend, Catherine Knight. Later that day, he told his coworkers that she had stabbed him in the past and if he were to ever go missing it was because knight had killed him the next day price didn't show up for work oh come on so that was a quote from the book man eater by ryan green so in that sentence you learn the names of two lovely people we got john price and then we got the son of a gun catherine knight so Uh that's right oh my god sage you're so cute i love when he like i like grabs his own face with his paws mm-hmm. and then he's like Bing. yeah because you know? everybody can see exactly what you're doing right now but i i feel like if i i described it very well and i feel like they can they, they get it you get it right i watched it happen you get oh i was the, the listener oh yeah like you get it yeah so anyway we're going to be talking about the son of a gun that is Catherine knight who is a piece of work mm. and a not nice person great love so, it <laughs> so again i'm sorry Catherine Knight was mm. born and raised in an unconventional and dysfunctional family environment, as we all are. Mm-hmm. Truly. Uh, definitely not to this realm by any means. Knight's father was an alcoholic who openly used violence and intimidation to sexually assault his wife, Barbara, up to 10 times a day in front of Yikes. their children. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Barbara, being the lovely lass that she is, in turn, often told her daughters intimate details of her sex life and how much she hated sex and men in general. Rightfully so. I mean, yeah, fair. Maybe don't disclose that to your daughter. Your you're small children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're professionals. But it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So later, when Knight complained to her mother that one of her partners wanted to wanted her to take part in a sex act that she did not want to perform, her mom told her to, quote, put up with it and stop complaining. Not a fan. Catherine claims that she was also frequently sexually assaulted by several members of her family, though not by her father, which continued until she was around 11 years old. So not it's not a good start Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. When she attended high school, uh, Knight became a loner and is remembered by classmates as a bully who stood over smaller children and frequently assaulted uh, children with weapons and once injured teacher um, who the teacher was actually found to be to have fought back in self-defense. Self-defense? Yes. Wow. Um, Which I feel like is every high school teacher's like worst nightmare of like. Definitely. Oh, God. Um, By contrast, when not in a rage, Catherine was a model student and often earned awards for her good behavior. That does not track at all. No, no, Mm -mm. sure does not. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this, but this story takes place in Australia. Oh. I should have probably done that. Yeah, you got to start out with that. Because she went to the high school Muswellbrook in, there's like a lot of words that I don't know like Mm -hmm. town names because there's a lot of australia is a place in this world it really is and like wales like Mm. i talked about last Mm -hmm. week there's just 
there's some names that have a lot of letters. Yeah. Not as complicated as Welsh, but just long. Maybe real quick, we can just go through a couple oh. that might that some people might struggle with. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So gonna... first things that come to mind. Yep. Um, Melbourne. Yes. Honestly, because it looks like Mel- Melbourne. Born. Yes. Um, but it's actually Melbourne. Melbourne. And um, another one that comes up a lot is Sydney because of Finding Nemo generally. Uh-huh. But Sydney is like it's pretty straightforward. It looks how it's spelled. Yes. Or it's spoken how it looks. You know. Yes, that's helpful. Um, some other things that come to mind is maybe like shrimp on the bobby yep okay i was um, wondering when that was gonna come in and i was really you know, down re- under i was really really uh-huh. um just regretting and it then, the entire you know time. yeah men at work yeah well exactly yes just some down by the sea action it's fine mm-hmm. so i'm gonna continue now oh yeah okay um <laughs> you're lucky that i'm not hungry at all because I honestly could go Outback Steakhouse is just just and there's a deer outside. Oh my gosh, hello. Yeah, that happens a <laughs> lot in our little forest area in the back. I have not seen a deer all year, dude. It's the first nice day we've had. It's so pretty. I thought it was a, a dog, but that's a big dog. <laughs> it's a big dog. It's a big dog and it's got a white booty. So And we're talking about shrimp on the blobby. Anyway, yeah, I'm so. sorry. Oh, my brain is just all over the place. It was the Eros con leche. Okay. So she left school at 15 mm-hmm. without having learned to read or write, which is interesting because Whoa. she was a model student and off. Yeah. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, that's also, you learn to do that in like actual first or second grade. That is correct. So. That is correct. Okay. So, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so 12 months later, she left after she left school, she started to what she referred to as her, quote, dream job, where she worked at a pig slaughtering factory and was oh. in charge of decapitating the pigs. She did such a good oh, job in her no. new position that she was quickly promoted and given her own set of butcher knives. No. And at home, Justin, where no. did she keep her prize knives? I'll tell you. She hung no. them over her bed no. so that they would, quote, no. Always be handy if I needed them. No. All right. No. Wow. I'm pulling the plug on this one. <laughs> what a fantastic teenager. How does someone do that uh-huh. as a teenager? That is correct. Say that your dream job is in a slaughterhouse, cutting the heads off of animals. Yes. And then being promoted because you're so good at that you're doing that, mm-hmm. that you get your own set of knives and then proceed to hang them in your room, first of all, mm-hmm. above your bed, Yeah. second of all. It's like, I'm glad that she was passionate about her job. Yeah. I'm just sad that it was that job. Not the job to be passionate about, unfortunately. Yeah. Not in that way. Not in that way. Like, if you're like, okay, you know what? This is a job. I'm working hard to support me and my family, my education, mm-hmm. whatever it is. You do you. But I feel like the type of passion she had was not that. I feel no. like there was enjoyment, which is it was deeper than just upsetting. a job. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, we're gonna leave the pigs alone. Fun. And we're gonna talk about some men now. 
So Don't we always <laughs> So Catherine first met her first lover, hard drinking co-worker David Stanford Kellett in 1973. And thus began a long line of fighting and abusive relationships. Wow. See, that sounds right to me. Yes. Based on everything else. Yeah. Yep. Catherine was renowned for offering armed combat to anyone who upset her. I this. Oh. Wow. It's hard not to laugh at this because it's so absurd. It truthfully is. <laughs> You don't just, you don't bring up someone in conversation and be like, you know that they're known for armed combat with other people randomly, Honestly, right? Like and they're... you're like, uh, what? Hmm? It's not exactly a trait that I would want to have on a resume, but then again, yeah. I'm definitely not that type of person. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I feel like if I ever got into a fight with someone, I would probably just curl up in a ball and cry. Yeah. Uh huh. Or they they That's would what like I do. yeah like yeah. they would they would insult me on like such a personal level, you know that whole think of like words cut deeper than knives or nice, something like that. Yeah. yeah, they'd be like, Hannah, you're not six feet, you're only five ten. I'm like, wow, okay, I'm sorry, I'm not good enough for you. And then I would just like fall over and start crying, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like sure. That. Yeah. Or like when my mom. When I dyed my my hair blonde when oh, I was sixteen, uh-huh. and I knew it looked awful uh-huh. because it was like an orange color, oh, and my mom's like, "Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess you look oh. good as a blonde." And I'm like, "Okay, well now I have trust issues for the rest of my life, mom. Thanks." Mm-hmm. You know stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, like, I agree with you. If someone referred to you as being someone who just is always down for an armed combat, uh, I'd be a little upset. Yeah. A little worried. Yeah, definitely. And I wouldn't want to marry you mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. David Stanford Kellett did in 1974. Of course. Um, so as soon as they arrived uh, at, at, okay, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. Go back. So Knight married Kellett in 1974, and at her request, the couple arrived at the service on her motorcycle with a very intoxicated Kellett um, on the the altar already. Couldn't even give it up for a Uh wedding day. No, no, no. No. Okay. As soon as they arrived, Knight's mother, Barbara, Mm -hmm. told her about-to-be son-in-law, quote, the old girl said to me to watch out. You better watch this one or she'll effing kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're effed. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll effing kill you. And that was her mom. Wow. That was her mom talking. I mean, she's kind of where she got it from. So A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair, I guess. And Justin, Catherine wasted no time because on their wedding night Mm -hmm. she tried to strangle him no (laughs) no (laughs) how does this happen well actually i i completely agree with this so Catherine explained it was because he fell asleep Mm -hmm. after only having sex three times that night oh come on all right Uh no i get it and she was really upset about that hey I, i am on her side i am officially a fan of Catherine. Are you? Are you? <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Let's no, see if you change your sense. mind. Uh-huh. It makes sense. Uh-huh. I would do the same thing. Like, that's a lot. 
that's a lot oh my goodness like take a nap it's okay i think that's what he was trying to do also having been drunk most of the day that i would say most of his life as well well yeah yes 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 Mm -hmm. So the marriage was also, uh, it continued to be incredibly violent. And on one occasion, a heavily pregnant Catherine burned all oh. of Kellett's clothing and mm-hmm. shoes before hitting him across the back of a head with a frying pan, simply because he had arrived home late from a darts competition after making the finals. Wow. Like, isn't that nice? He made the finals, comes home, gets smacked in the back of the head with a frying pan. Yeah. Is that they have they don't have cell phones back in seventy four? Like no. what are you doing? Send a carrier pigeon. Honestly. Yeah. <sighs> so a terrified Kellett fled before <sighs> collapsing into a neighbor's house and he was later treated for a badly fractured skull. Oh my gosh. Police wanted to charge her, but Catherine was able to talk her husband into dropping the charges. How does she do this? Wow. After getting hit in the head Mm -hmm. with a frying pan. That is correct. How do you get talked out of that? Mm -hmm. And then having to go to a hospital for a badly fractured skull. Yeah. I mean, truly, this is the cycle of abuse 101. Mm -hmm. But it seems, it doesn't seem like on the the good parts that those are good either. She just sounds like an awful person all around. Truly. All right. So two years later, in May 76, shortly after the birth of their first child, Melissa Ann, Kellett left her for another woman and moved to Queensland, apparently unable to cope with Knight's possessive and violent behavior. Big surprise there. (sighs) Honestly. (laughs) Good for him. So this part's really sad. So the next day, Catherine was seen pushing her new baby in a, uh, it says a pram, which I'm just going to assume is like a baby stroller. stroller. So seen pushing the new baby, Melissa Ann, down the street, violently throwing the stroller back and forth from side to side. Knight was found and admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital in Tamworth, where she was diagnosed with postnatal depression, which is an absolute severe thing, and spent several weeks recovering there. After being released, Knight... God, you know, it's like when you start the sentence and then you read ahead, you're like, don't use that happy tonation. Uh So after being released, Knight placed two-month-old Melissa on a railway line shortly before the train was due. Stolen axe went into town and threatened to kill several people. A man known in the district as Old Ted, who was foraging near the railway line, fortunately found and rescued Melissa by all accounts only minutes before the train was about to pass. Come on, lady. So Knight was arrested and again taken to St. Elmo's Hospital, but apparently recovered oh, yeah. and signed herself out the following day. You can't sign yourself out of a place like that. You absolutely cannot, especially with with only 24 hours. Yeah. Like, I am all for mental health rehabilitation and all of that and self-efficacy, etc., etc. But no. You can't sign yourself out. That no. That cannot be okay. Ugh. That's ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. All right. All right. Ready for man number two? Uh, Probably not. Great. David Saunders. <laughs> Catherine met 38-year-old minor David Saunders in 1986. A few months later, he moved in with her and her two daughters. She's got another one she now? She has another one. So, yeah. So, this oh, is a part that on. I skipped out because it was just, like, more information. So, Kellett, you know how he left her yeah. for another woman? Uh-huh. Well, so after he found out that she had gone into the hospital two times mm. and had, like, endangered their daughter, he actually came back 
um, and stayed with her for a while. They they had another child, and then Ugh. he was like, "Nah, actually, I'm for real piecing out this time because she was just ridiculous." Because I think she actually, Catherine, put a restraining order against him because she because he had left for another woman. So she was like, "No, you can't come back," and then put a restraining order on him, even though. I don't want to say he was a good guy because obviously he was not, but like, you know what I mean? Anyway, so now she has two children, two daughters, and now she's with David Saunders, okay? Yeah, that, yeah, that's fine. Uh-huh. So Knight soon became jealous regarding what he did when she was not around and would often throw him out and once knocked him unconscious with a frying pan. Oh, she really likes that frying pan. She also, yeah, she really likes a frying pan. This is really, really sad. She also... She also killed his dog right in front of her, right in front of him, and then hit him with the frying pan. And then hit him? And then hit Because he's the one clearly in the wrong here. Yeah. For probably working. Yeah. And socializing like a normal human. I hate her with so much of my person. And it said a dingo puppy. No. Oh, come on. Dingo I'm babies. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So for some reason, uh, they had a daughter named no. Sarah. No, you don't. Uh, which prompted Saunders to put a deposit onto a house and the happy family moved in together. Happy family. Happy family. Yep. Knight decorated the house in true um, TLC, you know, home channel, Magnolia Farms mm-hmm. decor, mm-hmm. which is animal skins, skulls, no. horns, rusty animal no. traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks completely safe for children. No space, including the ceiling, was left uncovered. Oh, gross. Really? Ugh. Oh. And like, Justin, please. I understand that people have hobbies. And different tastes. But if it comes to that, you really need to get a second opinion. 1000%. And it, I, it, yes, because like, I don't think I would want a single one of these things. Maybe I, I would like like a vegan leather jacket, you know? Like, I like the faux leather. Sure. I understand a rake is important get get the leaves out but i'm not a fan of really anything else most in particular the rusty animal traps mm-hmm. i don't i yeah. don't see the purpose yeah um but i think the thing here is that uh you can obviously tell that she's also a hoarder oh and sure ho- and hoarding is a very severe also mental illness yeah. and so like combined with everything else that is going on in her life thus far it's like it's not just postnatal depression. It's yeah. not just hoarding. It's not just abuse. Like it's all of these things mm-hmm. exponentially. I almost unplugged my microphone. So, Sorry. Severe untreated mental illness. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you want to hear just another example of how severe it is? I'll tell you. Yeah. After an argument where Catherine hit Saunders in the face with an iron before stabbing him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. Oh. He decided to move back to his hometown. Oh, he did. Wow. That's all it took? That's all it took. Just Oh. You just got to stab a man in the stomach with a pair of scissors and hit him across hit him across the face with an iron. No. That's fun. No. All right. Now we got a we got a third man. 
This is a short one, though. John Chillingworth. In 1990, Knight became pregnant by 43-year-old former abattoir co-worker. Um, I don't know what that word means. Ar- arbit- ab- abattoir? Abat- abattoir? I can't say that I know myself. Oh, the pig slaughtering place. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Some fancy name for it. Interesting, yes. Um, so she got pregnant by John Chillingworth. You know, maybe uh-huh. just stop. Oh. Stop having mm-hmm. uh, relations with her in general. Mm-hmm. Use a condom. Yeah, literally anything could uh, be effective. Yeah. 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 Yep, Use yep. one of the animal skins. Oh, you know, so, like um, she'd probably like that more. You know, this is just so wrong and gross. Just don't. Just, yeah. Just don't. Yep. But they had a little boy named Eric. Uh. Their relationship lasted three years before she left him for a man she had been having an affair with for some time. Mr. John Price. Great. All right. So now we come to John Price. Mm-hmm. John Pricey Price was the father of three children when Knight had an affair with him. Reputedly a terrific bloke who was <laughs> liked by everyone who knew him. His own marriage ended in 1988. While his two-year-old daughter had remained with his former wife, the two older children lived with him. Mm. Price was well aware of Knight's violent reputation, but she nonetheless moved into the house with him and his two children in 1995. His children liked her. He was making a lot of money working in local mines, and apart from uh, quite often violent arguments, their life was a bunch of roses. Yeah, you see, so you can't say apart from that though, mm-hmm. because then it's not. Uh huh. No, exactly. There's no apart from. No. Because that that exists. No. So it's bad. That is correct. Violent arguments. Violent arguments. Like if that's how you are describing your relationship, sweetie, you gotta you go. Yeah, then it's not a relationship. <sighs> All right, so a couple years later in 1998, they had a fight over Price's refusal to marry Catherine. And in retaliation, Catherine videotaped him stealing items, or I'm sorry, videotaped the items, some items that he had stolen from his place of work mm-hmm. and sent the tape to his boss. So wow. I'm not trying to condone stealing, but I'm going to explain a little bit. So the items that he stole were out-of-date medical kits kits that he had scavenged from the company's garbage can. But regardless, it's it's stealing. stealing. So Price was fired from the job that he had for 17 years. That cold (sighs) bitch. Honestly. Just because he didn't want to marry her. Yeah. Which is probably a good thing. Yeah. 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 So that same day... Rightfully so, he kicked her out of the house and she returned to her own home while the news of what she had done spread throughout the town. Great. A few months later, Price restarted the relationship. No. But he now refused uh, to allow her to move in with him again. The fighting, unfortunately, became more and more frequent and most of his friends would no longer have anything to do with him while they remained together. So kind of like gave him the ultimatum. Yeah. Which is smart upsetting but smart yeah i mean oh that's such a hard position yeah as a friend yeah oh exactly and 
it just sucks because like obviously you know I'm talking about the story because something bad happened so I'll tell you that in a little bit but like it's so disheartening knowing what's coming up and then reading the fact that they did break up mm-hmm. and then a few months later he was like no let's try this again yeah so he gave her a second chance and mm-hmm. I was like oh, sweetie you just don't yeah Yeah, that's uh it's hard. It's yeah. such a hard position to be in as a friend and as him. Yeah. Because you always feel like you want to make things work cuz thing hope, you yeah. know, is what it really was. So Oh, exactly. And I can't imagine like how how frustrating it would be to be his friend too, just being like you are such a good guy. We just want you to be happy, but it's like we can't. We yeah. cannot support this relationship at all and uh, yeah. yeah. In February 2000, a series of assaults on Price culminated with Catherine stabbing Price in the chest. You know, oh, come on, lady. Yeah, honestly. So oh. finally fed up, he decided to kick her out of his house, what he thought would be for good. Mm-hmm. On February t- uh, on February 29th, he stopped at Scone Magistrate's Court on his way to work and took out a restraining order um, in order to keep her away yeah. from both him and his children. Smart. That afternoon, Price told his co-workers that if he did not come to work the next day, it would be because Catherine had killed him. That is so tragic uh-huh. to know that. And just imagine, like, I cannot imagine being in that mindset, being like, legitimately if i told you Uh if you don't see me tomorrow it's because someone killed me like a specific person killed me that oh i can't even imagine that yeah so his co-workers pleaded with him not to go home but he told them that he believed she would kill his children if he did not oh that's so true i'm sorry but like call the cops yeah do something be like hi can you escort me home can you get my children out of there Mm-hmm. so price arrived home to find that Catherine, although not there herself had sent the children away for a sleepover at a friend's house that's good at least i guess he spent the evening with his neighbors before going to bed around 11 p.m later that evening Catherine arrived at prince's house while he was sleeping and sat watching tv for a few minutes before having a shower she then woke price up they had sex and then he fell asleep Mm-hmm. At 6 a.m. the next morning, the neighbor uh, who he had spent the night with, like the, the last evening with, mm-hmm. became concerned that Price's car was still in the driveway. And when Price did not arrive at work that morning, his employer sent a worker to see what was wrong. Mm-hmm. Both the neighbor and the worker got together and tried knocking on Price's bedroom window to wake him. But after noticing blood on the front door, alerted the police who arrived around 8 a.m. They then broke down the back door and found, sorry again, Mm -hmm. they then broke down the back door and found numerous body parts of his, along with a passed out Catherine, who was unconscious due to taking a large number of pills. Good for her. It was later discovered that she had attempted to take her own life. Do that instead of hurting someone else. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Okay, great, great, great. So I'm not going to go, oh, no, actually I am. But I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to cut to the chase. So unfortunately, so 
Yeah. Price's autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed at least 37 times in both the front and back of his body with many of the wounds extending into his vital organs. Oh, I I have heard this so many times. I think I'm we've talked so about sorry. it before. No, not this, but we may have talked about this before when there is a stabbing. Mm-hmm. If it's just like a couple times, it could be self-defense. It could be, you know, unplanned even. Mm-hmm. Just something random. Yeah. But when it's that much, it is either premeditated oh or God, and or like rage induced. Yeah. Like there's more to it than just randomness. Mm-hmm. It's more than a stabbing. Yeah. There's anger 1, and hatred there. 37 times of really doing anything is a lot. Yeah. And so exactly like you said, I, yeah, it's yeah. too much. And I hate to use this word, but it is truly overkill. Yeah. It truly, truly is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, that wasn't the worst thing that happened. So, again, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. But several hours after Price had died, Catherine decided to skin him and hung his skin from a meat hook uh, on a hook on a door that that went into the lounge room in his house. She then decapitated him and cooked parts of his body, including his buttocks, and served up the meat with baked potato. I hate saying that. Served up John mm-hmm. with baked potato, pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy. And gravy in two settings at the dinner table, along with notes beside each plate, each having the name of one of Price's children on it. As she was preparing to serve their dad to his children. Yeah. Yeah. Um. A third meal was thrown on the back lawn for unknown reasons, and it is speculated that Catherine had attempted to eat it, but she could not. And this had been in support. Um, One of the later claims is that she had no memory of the crime. Mm -hmm. It's so complicated. But again, okay, okay. So I'm just going to continue. Sorry. So John's head was found in a separate pot with vegetables. Wow. Sometime later, after all of this, Catherine finally, her last thing that she did was she Mm -hmm. went back to the remaining parts of his body and arranged it, posed it, posed him so that his left arm was draped over um, a liter soft drink bottle and crossed his legs. And that is how the police found him. What? the hell honestly because again going back to what you said about rage and about premeditated stabbing someone 37 times is one thing Mm -hmm. then deciding to do what she did to animals right that's what i was thinking Uh it's just he is an animal Mm -hmm. and then basically cooking him yeah and deciding to try and feed it to his children because again Mm -hmm. she wrote their actual names on pieces of paper 
and put it next to this stew. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but you don't. <sighs> yeah. You don't get my sympathy. No. That's what never, I'm trying to say. Never. All right. So, unfortunately, that was awful. But I'm going to talk about, I guess, I guess the only good thing. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to talk about the damn trial. And then I want to be done. Then I want to eat some ice cream. And then it's your turn. Okay? Great. Great. So, Catherine initially, obviously, I mean, like, she was there. Yeah. When he was found. Like, she tried to kill herself. So, like. Good for her. She was, she was guilty. Yeah. So, Catherine, however, um. She her initial offer to plead guilty to manslaughter instead of murder, which I know there was this one episode of MFM that I listened to and like their lawyer friend tried to describe the differences. I still yeah. don't understand, but yeah. anyway, it was rejected and she was um she was like brought in on February second, two thousand one, on the charge of murdering Price, to which she pled not guilty. How? Yep, exactly. So this is just. If what I read you wasn't awful enough, mm-hmm. I, this is just going to really hone it in. So when Fun. the trial commenced, Justice Barry O'Keefe offered the 60 jury prospects the option of being excused due, due to the nature of the photographic evidence, which five accepted. When the witness list was read out, the pros, out to the prospects, several more also dropped out and the jury was impaneled. So completely taken away. Yeah. So, like, you get you get five that drop out immediately, mm-hmm. and then you read the witness list, and they're like, nah, we can't. Yeah. No. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So, Catherine's legal team had planned to defend Knight by claiming amnesia and disassociation, um, a claim supported by most psychiatrists, although they did consider her sane, especially at the time of the murder. Yeah. No reasons have ever been given for a guilty plea, and despite giving it, Catherine still refused to expect, accept responsibility for her actions. Ugh. At the sentencing hearing, Knight's lawyers requested that Knight be excused to avoid hearing some of the facts, but the application was refused. When Dr. Timothy Lyons took the stand and described the scanning and decapitation, Knight became so hysterical that she had to be sedated while in the courtroom. Finally, nine months later, in November, Justice O'Keefe uh, said that she was guilty and pointed out that the nature of the crime and Knight's lack of remorse required a severe penalty and sentenced her to life imprisonment, refused to fix a non-parole period, and ordered that her papers be marked as never to be released. <laughs> Marking her yes. the first time that a woman in Australian history had ever been labeled as such. Hey, congratulations. So fun. Wow. And finally, to end, Justice McClellan wrote on his judgment and said that this was an appalling crime, almost beyond contemplation in a civilized society. So, sorry for ruining your walk, your day, your year, your bedtime, your shower, your poop, whatever you're doing. I'm sorry, but thanks for listening to my story. It's so hard to understand this. To yeah. even try, it, like, yes. was it dissociation? Like, I don't, I, I, it just is so mind boggling. This scenario, yes, 1000%. Yes, and, and then to say not guilty, exactly. I, oh. No, because I, I guess I don't want to get into it too much, but yeah. like, I think for, for me, maybe. 
maybe if I'm on on um the, the defendant side, if I was like her legal team or whatever, I would maybe try and use the the plea by insanity to try and just yeah. be like I can't comprehend how a human being right. could do this, so we're going to try it. I mean, you know I mean, insanity is fair. For sure. But yes. just saying not guilty straight up exactly is not accurate. No, like what you can't do that to yourself. He, John yeah, did not do that no. to himself. Like, how else would no. that have happened? Yeah. Crazy. Ugh, so I'm sorry. Thank you for that. It's very important <sighs> to talk about, unfortunately. Oh, it's an icky one. But it's bad, yeah. And it's interesting because, Justin, you know this. So we I actually recorded that story back mm-hmm. in September of 2019 when you and I were just starting out. Yeah. And we ended up not keeping the audio, but um, I tweaked it a little bit. I mm-hmm. caught a lot of stuff. I caught a lot of the gruesome stuff because I was like, you know what? Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously left a lot of bad things in there, but it was nice, I guess, to revisit the story because hopefully this will be the last time in my entire life that I ever have to speak. I hope so. Catherine Knight. She doesn't really deserve to be talked about. No. I think we just need to remember her. Like everyone else, yep, in the story, exactly. And I think also this too was like a little aha moment in my head. Of I'm like, you know what? I know that murder was it, it is more like my thing mm-hmm. on this show than yours. Like you, yeah. you don't really do murders, but I'm like, you know what? Maybe let's take a break. Yeah, I think enough. I'm I think I'm gonna take a break from murders for a bit it's because a good stopping point. It just makes me sad. Yeah. I don't like it. Fair. So, unless someone is, like, if there's, like, a murder associated with, like, a ghost or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm going to take a break from just, like, stereotypical stories. So Great. Thanks. Good job, anyway. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, Watch a Disney movie. Whatever. Do you know what to do? Whatever you need to do. Yeah. Make yourself happy. You know what? Listen to Justin's story. Sure, yeah. 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 Uh, That's a really forced segue, but uh, yeah, let's just get into it. (laughs) Okay, so today I'm going second, which was very obvious Mm -hmm. at this point for everyone listening. So I'm doing kind of an interesting story today going back to uh my roots <laughs> a little bit so <laughs> that nothing to say nothing to say about that just the direct eye contact was too much that's fine a little smirk so today i am going to be talking about the fister hotel from milwaukee wisconsin wow and how it's haunted as frick Nice, dude. I cannot wait. Yeah, this is a was a really fun one to research. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that I never knew. Yeah, so it was okay. very fun. Um, I got my information from hauntedrooms.com, Wikipedia, of course, for the pictures, and then the MilwaukeeRecord.com. Wow. Um, first and foremost, yeah. before you even begin, we gotta go there as soon as we can. Yes, please. Yes, it's first of all gorgeous. Second of all, Milwaukee. 
Yes. Third of all, haunted. Yes. I vote that we go get some really good street food. Yep. Go to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Probably not stay there, depending on what you tell me in the yeah. story. Mm, yeah, probably not. And then go home. Yeah. Be a good day. All yeah. right. Tell me about it, stud. So first off, I have this little clipped uh, map Ooh. of the location of the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee oh, nice. and kind of what uh, the, the little area looks like. So are you able to like understand where this is based on the picture? Yes, 1000%. And the the main reason that I can mm-hmm. is because I really like East Town. Yeah. And I'm very thankful because there's a big blue section that is water, which yes. I know is Lake Michigan. Correct. And then there's the Milwaukee Art Museum. And then it looks like, I don't know, maybe like five or six blocks away. That's yeah. a, the, is it the Fister? Yeah, the Fister. Yep. So, yes. But it's interesting because I've, I've been over in this section so many times. I've never no. ever comprehended. We went there for your birthday one time with yeah. your parents, and we were right in this area, dude. But we never knew it was there. No, and if we if we did see it, I would never have known about uh-uh. its history. No. Oh. Well, here we go. Wow. Let's just. Uh, I have a couple more pictures for you. Just so we have the map, and then I have the interior. Justy. Yeah. Look at how pretty that is. <gasps> Oh my gosh. So of course we'll That's be posting ceiling. these alongside um an update when our episode comes out so you can all look at these pictures. It's gorgeous on the inside. Dude, hotels don't look like this anymore. No, no they don't. Oh my They're gosh. They're all modern and lame. This has got to be haunted AF. Yeah, dude. Just based the fact okay, you get a chandelier somewhere, you're yeah, haunted. Exactly. Yes. It it especially one that long. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like this looks like um What's that that green blobby ghost in Ghostbusters? Do you remember what his name is? Slimer. Slimer. Yeah. Like Slimer could easily be hanging off that, roaming through For this sure. picture, eating hot dogs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I have one facade picture. It's kind of <gasps> spooky and eerie looking. Ooh. It's kind of cloudy and the sun's setting in the background. That but one is really pretty too. Those sharp angles. Ooh. Yeah. And then love it. I have another bigger picture of the facade as well. What the outside looks like. I like um, those like rain awnings or whatever mm-hmm. they are. Oh, those are so pretty. Yeah, it's very cool looking. That's a lo- that looks like a a very old hotel as well. It is. Ooh. Let me tell you about it, please. So, the Fister Hotel is a famed hotel, and it is one of the most haunted hotels in America. <gasps> Good job, Arguably, even in the world. <gasps> Wow. So this place rocks. Our little claim to fame. I'll take yeah. it. I'll take anything we can. Besides the Packers. Well, yeah. But they haven't been doing... They haven't been performing the way we need them to. You know? Like, you don't win a Super Bowl for me in the last in 11 10 years. years. Yeah. You're dead to me. Uh-huh. No, I still love you. Um, Let's see. The Fister Hotel was built in... 1893 oh my gosh for one million dollars that's a lot of money to me in Uh 2021 exactly i can only imagine how much it was do you even want to try to guess what it was in what it would be in like 2020 i'm gonna say one million in the 1800s i'm gonna say like 12 million Ooh, not even halfway there (gasps) seriously yeah 
Wow. Oops. Sorry, inflation. Yeah. So I went to the inflation calculator oh on Google. $29,210,869.70 in 2020. Wow. 1890s. You're not yeah. messing around. Uh-uh. That is expansive. I I would love to know, and I'm sorry if you talk about this at all, but I would love to know if if this was like the crown jewel in the area at the time. Because like Absolutely. if you're spending a million dollars on something, like I just I would want to know if they were like competing against other hotels in the area or yeah, you know, like why they're why the creators were like, oh, we're gonna put everything into this. Yeah. Uh let me just read my next line quick. Oh, I'm sorry. So, oh my god, Hannah. It is known as well, at the time it was known as the Grand Hotel of the West. The West. Um well, you know No, I understand. I expansion understand. was westward. Yes. And it has been the premier accommodation downtown in Milwaukee ever since. Oh, good so for you. It really is a crown jewel of the city. Wow. And of like that area. Sure. The Midwest. Do you happen to know how much it is to stay there? I don't. I'm we'll sure it's changed course. since last year. For sure. With everything that's been going on, I'm sure things have changed. Yeah. So with the fluctuations i don't know anymore okay um because like you i did this research in 2019 wow and i just recently updated it so cute um to this day it continues to serve guests from all over the world and it sticks to its tradition of providing a gracious style with of course the artwork and wonderful service to all who visit all right, so let me tell you a little bit about the, the history of the hotel here. Yes, please. During a period of decline in the late 50s and early 60s, the hotel was purchased by Ben Marcus. Yes. I'm sorry. The very same. I'm sorry. The very same Marcus of Marcus Theaters. So was this like Grego's uncle or something? uh maybe or like extent family member it's family it was member. his family member <gasps> i don't know exactly the relation but that marcus family's not messing around no he actually started the marcus theaters as well ben marcus really did. yeah so wow i read about I, he passed away in like 2000 i was reading okay. his obituary for this oh. a little bit like <laughs> he was an immigrant who came in purchased a theater it was like a downtown shop in ripon or something like that oh my gosh super entrepreneur like yeah yeah so he's buying up hotels and like Jeez. movie theaters yeah now i got an empire thank yeah. you marcus cinemas across the state and across the country truly and uh movie movie tavern i think that's like a, an offshoot from marcus whatever i don't care Anyway, well, Ben Marcus. Yeah, he purchased the hotel in the early 60s, and he was determined to bring it back to its former glory after the decline. Several years of renovations took place, and some significant additions were made, including a new 23-story guest room tower. That was the tower you saw in the pictures. Oh, so just a little, a yeah. little uh, just addition. Just a couple of renovations. Hi. Uh, not a big deal. Yeah, crazy. Um, 
Over the years, the Fister has played host to many dignitaries and the most famous musicians and actors of its time. Wow. The most historic hotel in Wisconsin, the Fister is a member of the elite preferred hotels and resorts worldwide and Historic Hotels of America, a program of the National Trust for Historic Preservation. The hotel is also a perennial winner of the AAA Four Diamond Award. So this place is wicked. Oh my gosh. So probably not cheap to stay there. <laughs> I would say never going to be. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But it is a place. It's like the premier place where um, people will stay if they're ever coming to Milwaukee or the surrounding areas to like perform or if there's like shows or, you know, sure. concerts live performances stuff like that that's really cool well especially i feel like up until recent years milwaukee was like the only hub yeah well it was like the only big hub for really really big because it's so yeah because it's so close to chicago exactly and it's really accessible Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. that way yeah yeah oh that's so cool yeah okay so the hotel has 307 rooms which combine contemporary luxury and charms of the old world as you could see from some of the architecture yeah so it's gonna sound like i'm promoting it a little bit here but i'm just giving a rundown of like all the crazy things that they offer sure um so if they want to sponsor us fine absolutely i'll take a free night so they're not a sponsor but like (laughs) i'm gonna talk about them like they are yeah there are 82 suites which have wet bars and sitting rooms Um, the heritage suites have separate baths and showers in your room. You have a separate bath and a separate shower. Oh, Vanities, bathrooms, and California-sized beds. Oh. The king suites are located in the historical section of the hotel. Um, the king suite has two rooms, a parlor and a bedroom with one king bed. Um, the tower king and tower double rooms are deluxe rooms, which have wonderful views of the city and of Lake Michigan, of course, oh. in that tower. I mean, it's super tall, 23 sure. stories. Like, yeah. Of course, you can see Lake Michigan. Absolutely. And I wonder, because of if it's like uh, notoriety, if maybe they got like um, a permit or something that, that you people... can't build out that Exactly, direction. exactly. Because yeah. otherwise, like, you know, you're disrupting the views. Yeah. Because there really isn't much out that direction. No. From the, the hotel. Um, oh, sorry. Let's see. The Fister double rooms are deluxe rooms, which are located in the section of the hotel, which was renovated most recently in 2008. Um, and then they also have a governor suite and it's got three rooms in it. So this is like hangover room, like from the hangover. Yes. Like that kind of a room. Oh my gosh. We need to stay in the governor's suite. Oh, do we? Yeah. Uh huh. That'd be cool. I mean, they even have like a martini bar and a grill, which offers a ton of like food and drink options. Oh my gosh. So it makes sense why people would stay here yeah. if they're like doing like a a tour of any kind because you really don't have to leave the hotel either for safety or convenience reasons yeah oh that makes sense yeah um so now i'm going to talk a little bit more about kind of what is going on in the more recent times Mm -hmm. so with this being a historical landmark in milwaukee uh it's milwaukee is literally the home of two professional sports teams Mm -hmm. baseball basketball Mm -hmm. we have the brewers and the bucks Mm -hmm. um 
But interestingly, some Major League Baseball players have reported quite a wide range of paranormal activity when they stay in the hotel. Oh my gosh. Because interestingly, this is where they stay when they come for like Brewers home games. Seriously? Yes. Oh my gosh. So some of the things they reported are electrical anomalies, object manipulations, and even apparitions. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. All right, so I'm going to go through a couple of these, some of these uh, experiences now. So Adrian Beltre, who was, at the time of writing, a player for the Los Angeles Dodgers, has said in Sports Illustrated that he heard knocking on the hallway and on his door. He went out to investigate, but found no one. Later, he saw the air conditioning and the television switch on and off by themselves. Mm. When he was sleeping... He was awakened by pounding noises from behind his headboard. No. He was so scared that he took a bat with him to bed for protection. (laughs) And he was only able to sleep for two hours during his three night stay. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) Now here's, here's my theory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The brewers. Right. And or the bucks. Mm -hmm. They know that this hotel is haunted and they purposely say, Oh yeah this mm-hmm. place is so good mm-hmm. and then their opponents are sleep deprived mm-hmm. going into their matches i think you have a good point mm-hmm. actually unfortunately um the brewers have yet to win a world series so it's not yeah. it's not really paying off recently but it's like mm-hmm. okay tell me more sure yeah so um another player carlos gomez who used to play for the brewers yeah um, he plays for the Twins at the time of writing. He also experienced something paranormal um, a day before his big game. He heard disembodied voices in his room and then saw his iPod switch on by itself on the side of his dresser. The iPod then began vibrating wildly and almost fell to the floor. <laughs> he put the iPad back on the table and when it started doing the same thing again, he decided to leave the room. Yeah. As well as the many reports of mischievous activity and electrical malfunctions, several guests have also reported seeing the apparition of an elderly gentleman oh. thought to be the spirit of none other than the hotel's founder, Charles Fister, walking the halls, oh, checking on his sweet. old haunts, oh, literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I have a long quote mm. from uh, a player named Michael Young. Okay. So, quote, listen, I'm not someone who spreads ghost stories. So if I'm telling you this, it happened. A couple of years ago, I was lying in bed after a night game and I was out. My room was locked, but I heard these footsteps inside my room stomping around. I'd heard all these stories about this hotel. So I was wide awake at that point. And then I heard it again, those footsteps on the floor. So I yelled out, hey, make yourself at home. Hang out, have a seat, but do not wake me up, okay? (laughs) After that, I didn't hear a thing for the rest of the night. I just let him know he was welcome, that we could be pals, and that he could marinate in there for as long as he needed to, just as long as he didn't wake me up. (laughs) I respect that relationship so much. Yeah, That's how you got to do it. That's so funny. (laughs) I also just like the term marinating. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, especially in a ghost encounter. Yeah. It's really nice. That's such a funny, yeah. I love that. Oh my goodness. Um 
Let's see. So then we have one from Colby Lewis. Uh, this story was shared by then Ranger um, on ESPN Dallas's Ben and Skin podcast in 2010. So um, there were a couple of chilling events that happened, like flickering lights. Um, but Lewis has the most terrifying tale. He said he claims to have seen a skeletal apparition around 1.30 a.m. Uh-uh. It freaked him out so much that he saw the team chaplain and Mr. Radio appearance the next day. <gasps> um, yeah. Oh, my God. So that's terrifying. Um, yeah, very mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, we have one from John Gray. Um, so he's actually Major League Baseball's resident ghost hunter. Uh, he became what? fascinated with the paranormal after he saw a ghost in his bedroom as a child. Mm. So in 2016, he got to live out a dream and investigate the Fister. Um, I don't think he found too much, but um, I'm wondering if this... I have an article posted in here, and I just want to see if it is his explanation. Mm. I don't believe so. So, um, but he was a ghost hunter and he went in there and got to investigate stuff. Um, as far as I know, he didn't have any experiences. Okay. Okay. But of course it's still cool to be a part of like just the experience of being there. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, as a final story that I have, um, it came from when, of course, the, the Brewers, big rivals, the Cardinals mm. were in town. That night, the Cardinals players, um, Martinez and Ozuna, both claimed to have seen a ghost. Um, quote, we are here in Milwaukee, Martinez said in Spanish in an Instagram video. <laughs> I just saw a ghost. In Ozuna's room, he saw another one. <laughs> we are all here. We are all in Pinita's room. We're all stuck here. We're going to go to sleep together. If the ghost shows up again, we're all going to fight it together. (laughs) So funny. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, of course, don't condone violence, but that's cute. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, my goodness. Uh, And then finally, I just have a little article from 2016. Um, It was written by Jacob Rice. Um, So it's a ghost story in the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to read this verbatim. It's not too long, and it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. So here we go. Tom checked into the Fister Hotel in downtown Milwaukee. He would meet a few business partners and clients over the next few days, and the hotel was in a good location to their offices. He wanted to take his time and get some sleep, a luxury for most of his trips. But the Fister Hotel's ghostly residents had other plans. He checked in and headed to his room on the 17th floor. It was January and the hotel wasn't too busy. Tom didn't count more than a few guests in the lobby and restaurant. He was alone in the elevator and the hallway to his room was empty. The hotel was very still. After receiving his bags from the bellhop, he took out his clothes for the next day and placed them on the bench at the foot of the bed. Then he put his, um, it's called his dop kit. It's basically like, like toiletries. Oh, sure. So whatever yeah. you need, like brush your teeth and yeah. get ready for stuff like that. Okay. Um, he turned on the TV to watch a college basketball game. Now settled, he ordered some room service. 
My first call to room service disconnected, Tom said. There was a crazy static on the line, so I thought it was just old lines in the hotel. The second time I tried, I got through, but the call would cut out every few seconds. It cleared up after I repeated my order three times. This was his first day in the hotel, and while static on a phone line is an annoyance, it isn't the weirdest thing to happen. Ten minutes after I ordered a late dinner, I heard knocks on my door, Tom said. Just three taps. I thought it was the server bringing my food. She told me it would take 30 minutes, so I was a bit surprised it could be ready this soon. When he opened the door, no one was there. Mm. He looked both ways down the hall. It was empty. Tom thought another guest may have kids and they were playing a game or something. Mm. When the server arrived, he asked if she had seen anyone in the halls tonight. She told him there were four guests on the floor, including him, but there were no children staying on the 17th floor. Oh. After the game ended, he decided to get ready for bed. It was now 11 p.m. He set his phone alarm to go off at 7 a.m. and pulled back the covers. He clicked the off button on the remote control. As the TV screen faded to black, he saw the silhouette of a man reflected in it. Ew. No, thank you. I thought it was a burn-in on one of the game's broadcasters, but the figure wore a hat. One of those German hats with a little feather on the side, Tom said. He shook his head to wake himself up a little. He had flown in from Phoenix with a long layover in Minneapolis. Mm. He thought fatigue made him see things that weren't there. As he entered the bathroom, he found his dop kit on the floor. The contents scattered all about. That's rude. At this point, I got a little scared. I hadn't left the room and my dop kit was zipped shut, oh. he said. I may have been sleepy, but I would have noticed someone come in. After brushing his teeth, he got into bed. It was about 11.30 p.m. when he checked his alarm settings again. He also set the digital alarm clock on the table next to the bed. Tom told Ghostly Activities that he had a troublesome sleep. He felt a pressure on his chest and he couldn't breathe very well. It seemed like sleep apnea, but he never had it before. He also had to turn up the heat a few times. The thermostat read 70, but it felt much colder even under the covers. He thought there could be a mechanical problem and made a note to tell the hotel about it the next day. It was now 2.15 a.m. Again, he had a restless sleep, tossing and turning, and feeling even colder. He remembered rolling over and hearing a deep laugh. He reached for his phone to check the time, but the digital display showed a blinking zero zero. What? He looked to the digital alarm clock and it was dead. The power had gone out. He sat up in bed and turned toward a shadow he saw at the foot of his bed. Uh-uh. His clothes flew off the bench and hit him in the face. Mm-hmm. Then something pushed down on his shoulders, knocking him back in his bed. The shadow laughed yet again. Ew. He laid pinned to the bed for a few more seconds and managed to get free. He flung his crumpled clothes to the floor and ran toward the door. It wouldn't open. I just murmured to myself that I was going to get the hell out of this place, Tom said. As he did... The power returned, and the room felt warmer. It was now 3.33 a.m. What? Tom went downstairs and said there was a problem with the room's heat. The front desk manager switched him to a different room. He remained at the Fister Hotel without another ghostly incident. The Fister Hotel is a well-known haunted place in Milwaukee. In 2011, Travelocity named it as one of the most haunted hotels (laughs) in the United States. (laughs) And that's all I have about the Fister Hotel. Wow. Bravo. Yeah. That's wonderful. 
I just think it's so interesting because I wonder if at any point getting that reputation like hurt them for business or yeah, I don't know if it helped them. It's hard to say. I mean, at I this know. point, I'm sure it's nothing but helpful. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Oh, that's so. I feel like people have always been kind of interested in spirituality though for sure for sure i mean you know i (laughs) i mean i i hate to look at this but like i look at um i don't know uh, i don't think it's actually called the stanley hotel but it's oh yeah the stanley hotel in estes park colorado shining was based off of it is a stanley it is a stanley hotel because i think in the book it's called the overlook oh thank you okay okay i um i couldn't remember which was which but I mean, that place is also very renowned for its reputation and people still go there. And I just think it's so funny that whether it be professional baseball players or, you know, um, just guests, I don't want to say guests in general, but yeah, it, it happens. Mm-hmm. People still go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wow. I for sure want to just check it out. I may not want to stay yeah. the night, but I want to go there because it's awesome. Yeah, I'd like to maybe like walk around the lobby. Yeah. Just see just see it. Right. Try your best to fit in. I won't yeah. wear my leggings that day. Sure, yeah. Like, yeah. I won't wear the shirt with the mustard stain. Like, <laughs> yeah, we'll be good. Exactly. We'll try and look classy. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, that's lovely. All right. That's it. That was really good. Bye-bye. Thanks. Wow. Huh. Are you okay to jump into recommendations right away? Yeah. So, of course, my recommendation is going to be... If you can, somewhere around you, or just make it, try either horchata or arroz con leche. Uh, They're so good. Rice pudding is basically all it is. It's so good. So amazing. Yeah. It's a really wonderful, light treat. It's basically just like cinnamon toast crunch. Like the flavor of that. Mm -hmm mixed with just an amazing it amazing consistency it's just so wonderful yeah good job do you have anything today um well i hate to be that person because i know that it's a very very niche thing mm. but seriously mm-hmm. i have to give the biggest shout out in the world to um it was formerly known as el poblano but oh, yeah. um they changed their name to honor uh, their three grandchildren, which mm-hmm. I think is so sweet. So it's a little restaurant in Marshall, Wisconsin called uh, Las, uh, Las Tres Hermanas. Mm-hmm. Um, just amazing. They do dollar tacos. They This is where we got the yeah. arroz con leche. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, just do it. I guess just support your local businesses. There we yeah, go. That's, that's a fair. more inclusive way to do it. Yeah. I love tacos. I love food <laughs> and I love, I love eating. Nice. So do that. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. So, uh, thanks Justy for your wonderful story. Sorry for mine. Great. And we hope that you have a great rest of your week. Yeah. Stay and safe. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Goodbye.